We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Hello and welcome to 10 Questions. It's been a long-held ambition of mine to have today's guest on the show. He's one of the few performers on Australian television who has fans from multiple generations. First, there were the comedy company fans who loved him as Uncle Arthur. Then there were the Russell Coit fans. And then there were the Kath and Kim fans who were beguiled by his multiple outings as Kel Knight. I speak, of course, of the great and enduring Glenn Robbins. In this episode, we chart his beginnings in performance, from turning his back on being a town planner to taking a drama teaching degree before appearing in commercials and becoming one of our best-known and funniest actors. Now, there's the public side of what Glenn does, but there's also the work he does behind the scenes, nurturing up-and-coming writers and performers, most notably on the Ronnie John's Half Hour and thank God you're here. His advice has always been invaluable to me over the years, and he's one of those people who makes you feel better about the world after spending some time in his company. It was an honor to have him on the podcast, and as usual, I started by asking Glenn when he was most happy. So that, is, that, is that a uh, were or was or is? Is it, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being defensive. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, uh, do you put the put your life up on... Uh, on, on a graph and you go, ah, I didn't realise. Uh, I was most happy uh, when I was 15, which is probably right, actually. I, I'm probably right because we bought, when I was very young, we bought a house down the coast and um, uh, the west coast of Victoria and uh, it was all surfing. It was summer. It was, we'd go down there basically for eight weeks. You know, We'd go there throughout the year. It was cold in winter, open fires and, and uh, you know, walks along the beach and still surfing and stuff. And then in summer, you know, uh, there with all my mates were there. They were in the caravan park. We were in the house, and just it was just fantastic. We didn't have a TV. We had a, a radio. It's like something out of, out of a Tim Whitten novel. You know, it was uh, just that quintessential Australian life of you know getting up and going checking out the surf and meeting your mates. And then as you get older, you know going up to the pub and, you know, meeting girls down the caravan park and, uh, you know, going to the movies on a Saturday night and watching a vampire movie and, and walking home scaring yourself. So it was classic stuff. Um, and if it's a ah, I think when I'm with my family and we're sitting around telling stories and laughing, I think I think uh, my stepdaughter has one of the most beautiful laughs you could ever hear and, 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 uh, and the joy of making her laugh and now her, her son laugh is just uh, is is an absolute joy. So I think I've covered all my bases there. Did you did you have funny mates growing up? Yeah, we have, my brothers were uh, were and are very funny. And, and yeah, there was a whole it was a crew of guys that I went to school with. Our school was a very surfy school. I grew up in the, ironically in the northern suburbs of Melbourne, and you wouldn't associate that with being a, a surfing culture, but it very it very much was. So we had a whole crew that went down there. And uh, made friends down there as well. So yeah, um, yeah. I I think every crew that gets together thinks they're pretty funny. I don't know whether we were any more special than anyone else, but um, there's certainly a. Uh, my brothers have a, a turn of phrase that is uh, admirable. Certainly can be a lot funnier than I am, and I did it professionally. So um, so um, so yeah, they, they were they were funny a funny lot. It's such a difference. It's such a chasm between. Um, 
just been naturally funny and then deciding to go into it professionally. Like Gervais always says he was the third funniest person in his family. You know, it's uh, other people just don't see it as a career, even though they're hugely funny. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I know my, my other brothers have done bits and pieces on radio and here and there. And, and, you know, when it comes to, I know when we gave the speech at our mother's 90th birthday, I'm going to say everyone thinks they're pretty good at speeches, but I'm going to say it was a good show. It was dinner and show. It was, it was, yeah. You know, I think I think I don't know whether I opened or closed, but um, but I but both the brothers are very good. My mother's a my mother's still alive, and she uh, is 99. And at her last birthday, that we were allowed to visit her, um, she did half an hour telling stories. We we gave her questions, and she did half an hour, and just was a really good storyteller. Solid and, thirty. Um, Solid 30. And uh, I go wrap it up now, Mum. Oh, one more. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, so I think, it, I think it's in the bloodline. Yeah. Good question, too. Who would you like to apologize to and why? Oh, I mean, I, I'm sure there's people that I'm unaware of that I've said things on television or maybe I've done sketches about that have upset people. I know I probably did some parodies over the years. Um, I know there's probably things that I said on the TV show, the panel that I regret. I can't remember who they were. I do. I, I, there's one, and I don't know what her name is. But when I was first starting out, it's that thing of I was probably in my early 20s and it was that thing where you've got to take every opportunity. You've got to grab everything you can and be bold and, and make those phone calls and knock on those doors. Oh, and I remember yeah. being up the, up the street having a, <laughs> getting a coffee and I looked across and I, there was a group, group of women having a morning coffee together. And um, they, I recognised one of them. I think, I think that's the wife of a well-known director. Now, it could be Fred, could have been Fred Skepsy's wife. Shepsis, how do you say his name? Uh, Skepsy. Skepsy. It might have been his wife that I'd met once. But anyway, I thought, this is my moment. This is my moment. <laughs> and I got my coffee and I walked over and I joined them. I just walked. I joined them. I'm going. You got it. And I sat down. I said, "Hello, ladies. Mind if I join you? What are we talking about?" And it was like, I could, they just got this look That's on their brilliant. face. I just went, and then I decided, oh, so that was one. I love and it. There was one. There was one that happened not so long ago that I've probably told you this story before. Um, I have a habit of repeating my stories, but I was in a restaurant and. A woman, uh, there was a family on the next table. The guy, the guy leant over and said, would you mind doing a photo? And I said, sure. And I said to the people I was sitting with, um, this won't take a second. I stood up and she stood up, his wife stood up, and I put my arm around his wife. And with a strange <laughs> look on his face, he took the photo. And I sat back down. I thought, God, he was a bit rude. I mean, I did the photo. Why was he, why did he? Didn't say anything. Just got a straight. And then I walked out of the restaurant, going, "No, he was asking me to take a photograph <laughs> with his family." And I, and I, just imagine that you're on the, you tap the guy on the next table, and he turns around and puts his arm around his, around his wife, and then and he says, "Yeah, go take the photo." I'm, and I walk. I, uh, anyway, 
it, it, the penny dropped and I walked home going, you idiot. So, yeah, the perils of taking yourself a tad too seriously, thinking everyone wants a photograph of you. So, uh, so there's, there's, they're, they're both female and uh, I apologise. But uh, there you go. Mate, if anyone can have an excuse for that, it's you. So I I, <laughs> I think Shane <laughs> Jacobson had the same uh, similar situation, but but with Germans. Mm. Re- yeah, well, there you go. I mean, how are you, how are you to know? Um, what is your greatest regret? I'm pretty happy to say I don't have too many because sometimes you regret taking a certain job, or and I pride myself in in uh, being. Uh, when I first started out, I didn't know how to say no, and I used to say yes to everything, and it mm. and it, it, it compromised me. And you know, I was trying to be everything to everyone. I learned to say no. I probably got a bit too good at saying no, so I I do say no to a lot of projects. Um, uh, but I think, oh, I mean, this is cliched. I know this is cliched. But, you know, when I see someone sit down at a piano and they can just play the piano, my mother could play the piano, music is in the family, I really wish I'd, I could, because I, the meditative uh, thing of being able to play a musical instrument is just magnificent. I would love to be able to tinker on a, mm. I can play a little bit of guitar, but I can play about three chords. And I can't play anything on the piano. So I think my greatest regret is that some time in my life I didn't learn how to play an instrument to 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 occupy another part of my mind. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you, if you ask that question, I'm sure you probably get that answer a fair bit. But I actually um, don't, mate. I actually right? don't. And, yeah. and it really resonates with me because I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. And it's like that musicians have some sort of secret. It's like they've got this joy outside <laughs> of life and outside of this normal life. And I, I'm, I'm very envious of it. And I, you know, hey, I could spend a little bit of time and just learn something. I don't, I don't know why I'm kind of just like sitting there enviously looking at them all the time. I know exactly. I, I I went out and bought a keyboard and I, I had a couple of goes and went, no, nah, I don't want to do it. I was just like, well, get over yourself then. Stop complaining. Stop saying I want to do this. Because and it was one of those ones where you could push the button and it'd go, it'd play, it'd play the backing and the drums. I had a whole band, I had a whole orchestra <laughs> behind me, and still it wasn't enough for me to make a bit of a commitment. I guess I just wanted to, you know, do it with one finger. But anyway, uh, it's all it's all fine. It's true, mate. I, I, I mm. feel the same way. What will you still need to do to forgive the satisfactory life? I mean, I, I, I read a bit of philosophy. I read a bit of religion. I, re- I talk to taxi drivers to find out, you know, you know what, what their world is like. And, and I, I think there's something in Buddhism called non-attachment, or, or, but it, to me it's like a letting go. And I, and I, I, I have a propensity to worry to get anxious and get attached to things. And, and you know, it's the ability to, to let go. Uh, I don't know whether I've learned that yet. And at some point, you're going to have to learn to let go because you're going to die. So I would love to learn. I'm not, I'm not explaining this very well, but the ability to be, to be not attached, to, to let go, is something that I, I envy in people. Equanimity is that's is that the word the, the ability to what's the meaning of equanimity? That's like the, the dealing with dealing with peril in a calm way, sort of thing. Is that is that it? I'm gonna look it up. Equanimity, calmness and composure, especially in a difficult situation. Yeah, well, I think it's sort of. I mean, when I heard that, first heard that, I remember thinking, yeah. And when I see it in my friends. And I see with because I have you know you know I get I have you know health 
fears and all that sort of stuff. And I see my friends handling it really well. I go, whatever you've got in you, I want a bit of that. I want that ability. I want that. that. And, then, and they go, look, you know, I might appear that I'm calm, but I go, oh, I just want a little bit of it. I just don't want to go into the obsessive sort of, I want to learn to let go and, and, and go on the ride, even if it's a tough one, and, and see what happens rather than putting myself through so much pain in the, in the lead up to it. So, yeah, I think, that I think uh, to learn to let go. There you go. I think we are, uh, you know, in the comedy community, all united by the fact that we do have these uh, neuroses. I, I know it's kind of glamorous in your 20s and 30s to have it, and then it becomes a pain in the ass when you hit 40. That's and right. And then you spend yeah. the rest of the time trying to let go of it, of course. Yeah, yeah. But then I wonder what the correlation is between being neurotic and being involved in comedy or being funny. I think I think the, we, we verbalise our neurosis and so therefore and mm. that's why the audience laugh because they go I'm okay because I think like that too mm. and that's the comedy that I relate to I, 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 I you know whether it's a, a curvy enthusiasm or, or, or you know the life of a comedian like yourself and I know, I know when you're very reassuring to talk to because whenever I go into an area of peril you go oh yeah I'm like that I'm like that and <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah, like in this big safe um, comfy bed with you because you know I go wow he's as neurotic as I am so oh, therefore yeah. it's, it, it makes it okay and that's what it's and that's what's you know why COVID is so hard because you're not getting to to really share and talk mm. you're, you're sitting you're sitting I know that in the US they what do they say in the US they did a, a they did some research and Americans would much rather a small electric shock rather than sit with their own thoughts. So you can sit oh with your own God. thoughts or we'll give you a small electric shock and you're done. And they chose a small electric shock. Sitting with your thoughts, with your neurosis, can be that's there, there lies the pain and the torment. So um, so it's interesting, isn't it? A small electric oh. shock, um, line up, come down here, you know, Thursday afternoon and get yourself done. And then you don't have to think about anything else. But anyway. Um, that's amazing. I, again, I don't know how I got onto that, but um, no, I love uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. Um, mm. Question five, Matt. Who is the person who most influenced you, and how? Uh, I think there's a, there's a sense of early days when you're first starting out. I remember my mother taking me to see Barry Humphreys, and I remember looking at what he did and thinking that's what I want to do. So mm. there was strong influence there. Um, uh, I think that. Uh, he taught me to write what I know. Um, I think that was then, but not not as much now. But that was when I was. That was when I was. I remember going to see him when I was about ten. So I didn't know what the jokes were. I just I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. I think in my latter life, um, this is probably fit pretty unfair. I have a. I have a I'm going to tangent slightly. I have a problem, and you've probably come across this in me sometimes, um, where when I get asked to do things, I don't see uh, in myself what other people see in me. So um, I can be reluctant to do projects for that reason. Rob Sitch, Tom Gleisner, uh, Santo Chilaro, um, what I do they're people that I do let go with. I go, well, mm. I don't think I'm right for this project, but if you see something in me that you think is right, I'll trust your judgment of me more than on my own judgment of me, and I'll let go 
to what you want. It doesn't mean that it's not nerve-wracking. I mean, when they first mm. asked me to do the panel, which was a show back, I went, how long ago? That went off a while ago now. But um, they said to me, do you think this is a good idea for a show? I said, I think it's a fantastic idea for a show. He said, uh, and, the, and then about a week later, he said, do you want to be on it? And I went, no, 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 no. No, I don't want to be on it. <laughs> um, no, um, I'm not going to. Because all I knew was to how to be in character, to do sketches and to do yeah, on-stage yeah. monologues. I didn't know how to be me. Uh, I knew how to be me a little bit in stand-up, but not really. Um, so I, all my comedy came through character. So when I did the pilot for the panel, I um, it was the most scared I've ever, ever been because it, it, I was going to get found out. I was going to get found out to be an idiot and um, I was going to be made to look like a fool up there. And I remember it was maybe one or two shows in, and I just thought to myself, uh, even if I do think differently to these guys, I probably do represent a section of the audience. So therefore, whatever whatever neurotic stuff is going on in my head, I'm gonna say it. And I turned the corner, and it, it was fantastic. And then I know that often in a commercial break during that show, Rob would turn to me and say, "That was a great joke. Where did that come from?" Uh, did you prepare that? And I said, no, it just came out. I don't know where it came from. So those guys made me, those guys really gave me uh, confidence in my ability in areas that I didn't realise I would have confidence. And they continue to this day to do that. And uh, I, I, I cherish their relationship. Um, uh, and I have a similar relationship with Dave O'Neill as well. So I trust his judgment as well. Mm. So, um, um and if I spent more time with you, I'm sure that, uh, and that, for me, that's what's very important. trustworthy. Very trustworthy. <laughs> You're very, you are though. Oh, you, you are though. I, I liked you from the <laughs> first time I met you. And I, and um, uh, so um, I don't want to get all, you know, funny about it. But, but um, so you, I wouldn't do a show like this normally. I've got to be honest with you. No, I, I know. I'm about, such an honor yeah, to have yeah. you. But I, I just yeah. want to draw a, um, I want to talk about the panel, but there, you do get it's interesting you mentioned Barry Humphreys because I reckon that Sandy, Sandy Stone and Uncle Arthur would have known each other. Oh, that's um, nice. They may have met somewhere down the track. I don't know whether whether where did Sandy come from? Was he a Campbellwell? Or was he was, uh, I or think I'm, so. Yeah, usually related to, to some sort of period from uh, uh, Humphreys's youth. Mm. So yeah, that's where he grew up, I think, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Yeah, it would some, be somewhere around there. Yeah, they might have like, just walked past each other in the Futurama. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I wonder what Sandy was like when he was a bit younger. He probably was a bit more on the front foot. He probably would, would let Uncle Arthur know. But Uncle Arthur was never backward and coming forward. He was always very sort of uh, forthright. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if he wanted his way, he got his way. So um, whatever, he was going to do it his way, you know, come what may. But uh, that's uh, I've never thought of it like that. It's a nice thought. With the panel, that what was interesting is you, you did walk to the bed of a different drum than than your traditional pundit, and that's what I found refreshing. And I think that's probably well, what you. those guys were looking for. You know, they they didn't want everyone just to be kind of have a kind of a media centric version of you know what was happening in the news. It was what were actual people thinking. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. Um, whenever I because I started out doing commercials. And uh, that's how I learned the film trade and I learned to be on a set. And that was way long time before I did the television. Um, and I was always cast as your average guy. And I'll tell you a little secret. Um, and I, it took me a while to get over this. I didn't quite know what was going on. When I was a kid, they came to our school 
And they said, we are looking for not the top of the class, not the bottom of the class. We are looking for the average kid who's quite popular, but he's not. A, he's somewhere right in the middle. And they chose me. And they took me and they did research on me and they did um, some speech therapy on me and they did some – I had to look at the pictures and do the drawings. I remember years later thinking, was there something wrong with me? And it was the actual opposite. I was, I was the average man. And then, and then when I went on to do commercials, I was always cast as the average guy. I just had the, – there was the – you know, he wasn't the best looking. He wasn't the worst. He was kind of in the middle. And wow. uh, yeah. so Fascinating. It, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and I remember saying to mum like, years later, was that, what was that? Was that, was there something wrong with me? Yeah, no, it was just, they were just doing research. I think it was something to do with speech therapy at that level, but it was, there was definitely some psychological stuff in there. And, um, and they said, he's, he's really good. He has a slight lisp. Um, but at all, and if you notice, I use that lisp in two of my most successful characters being one being, uh, Cal Knight, he, Cal's got a lisp, he speaks yes. like that, how he switch. And Ross Coitz, Russell Coitz got a bit of a lisp. So I took my faults and I turned them into career is the short answer. So there you go. I think Kim Gingell told me very early on in the piece, he said, you need to have two clowns, at least two clowns, and um, and that'll get you through if you want to have a career. You know, two things. That, and my, my two clowns were the kind of the funny, gormless guy who's a little bit simple and then yep. the kind of the, the sleazy lawyer type. All uh, right. Okay. And do you think they, they represent um, parts of your character, your truth, the, who you really are? No, not at all. So okay. interesting. Yeah. It's, um, I think, you know, I think we, when you're writing, they say you're, it, it probably represents a little bit more of who you are. Um, uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. My face doesn't but, represent who I am. I think it's my, that's my interesting. point. With my characters, with Cal especially, I if I give in doubt as far as uh, the emotion that I tap into, I don't tap into a comedic one. I tap into an honest one. And and he Cal is a is a loving, um, uh, slightly insecure. Uh, so I, was, uh, I I I I if in doubt, I go to that section of myself. What would I do at this point? And uh, usually that worked. Um, sometimes no, I'm going to say it worked with the girls. It always worked. Um, and that's probably so yeah, yeah. That, that's probably the nature of a success, the truth there. And I, and I think I did that with yeah. low down. Low down was more me. That was me. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Which is a hard thing to do. That's a really yeah, hard thing yeah. to do because when you do character, it gives you so many more uh, tricks to play with. And mm. uh, even even if it is a little bit of vulnerability, it still gives you more things to do. Uh, people, you know, when they ask me to to do. Um, Sometimes during COVID, I've been asked to do a few things for different people to send some encouragement to people, and it's much easier if I do it in character. But to do it with me, to be sincere, it's quite it's quite hard. Yeah. It's quite uh, yeah. Not that I'm insincere, but it's much easier, much more fun to do it in character. Oh, for sure, mate. Yeah, mm, yeah. It, it's mm. uh, I and and it th- that's what I related to when you. By the way, that's what I related to when you first talked about the panel. It's like, how do I be myself? And that's yeah. a, that's a yeah. big thing, you know. It's like yeah, it's a yep, yep. Big question: a, Who am I? A, yeah, who am I? And I used to say, oh, "Who am I on the panel?" I'm 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 someone at a dinner party that's had one and a half drinks and, and having a good time and feeling pretty relaxed, <laughs> and is up for some um, some mischief. And when Rob Stitch said to me the word mischief, it was like a license. To then be playful, and he sort of put a he put a title on it. I went, oh, that's exactly right. I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. 
Um, and my gauge of when to actually say something with mischief and not to was really well. Sometimes if ever I forced it in, I go, that was too much. But when I just, I go, now, now's the moment. I, that, that instinct in me was pretty well honed from that show. Wow. That's great. Mm. That's great. Mm. Um, question six is when was the last time you cried and why? Uh, well, that's a good question. I'm, uh, I don't cry too often. Maybe I should cry a bit more um, because I think it's a really healthy thing to do. Um, and there's no doubt there's so much. Uh, that's what I envy with, with women is that, that they can cry and it's okay. With mm -hmm. men, it's probably oh, something something's bad here. I think um, it was the other day my father, my father was born on, 15th of August, 1921. So on the 15th of August uh, this year, he would have turned 100. And my brother alerted me to the fact. And um, uh, we had a lovely day uh, sharing. Uh, we simplified our dad into just the things that he loved, you know, you know, mushrooms on toast on a Saturday morning, you know, uh, falling asleep in front of the fire, drinking a glass of wine and, you know, and we'd play tricks on him um, while he was asleep. Um, um, so all sorts of, and it was really a beautiful thing to do, to share the, the joy of dad. And then I uh, contacted my stepdaughter to say um, that today's dad's would have, if he had to turn 100, it would have been today. And as I was sending the, the text, I, I shed a tear because I knew how much dad loved her and the connection that they had. I mean, she, he didn't meet, meet Dad until she was eight, but they had a very special bond. And, and you know, Dad was, was big and loud and funny, and, but they had a bond and, and, uh, and, I, and I shed a tear thinking about that. And, and you know what? And strangely, I know this, uh, I was watching the news the other night and I was looking at a, a boy standing at the front of his house and he said that he'd lost his father uh, in, in a, if I, did I say Afghanistan? Did I say that? No, it was in no. Afga yeah, Afgan it was in Afghanistan. And uh, he'd lost his father and he started to cry. And it was just, I just felt my heart drop for this for this, this, this this family, for what they're going through at the moment. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't, I just, I just, I just, it's just like right here, just going, oh my God, we can't begin to imagine the pain that these people are going through. No. So, so, so um, I don't know whether I've been cried or shed a tear. So, I, Shit a tear is of late has been as close as I've got. And what did your dad do and, and what did he think of your career? Well, Uncle Arthur was based on him. So uh, so he loved it. Um, and uh, he um, uh, he's one of those uh, one of those fathers that didn't say too much. He came from that generation where you yeah. I guess you don't want to, you know, you don't want your kids to get too pleased themselves. So he didn't say too much. He used to give me compliments. I can remember he used to give compliments about me to my mum when I uh, was in the other room and I could hear them. Uh, uh, and then it stopped when I walked in the room. I don't know. My, my, the generation of my parents were very much like that, very stoic and very sort of... Uh, but I know that he loved me and I know that he was proud of me. Uh, but he probably, he said more, he probably did it more in his actions than his words and that's okay. And what was his job? He was an accountant at the Ordnance Factory. Uh, as was... You spoke of uh, Shane Jacobson, as was Shane Jacobson's dad. He did the same thing. So 
Shane's wow. dad and my dad were mates. So there you go. There's the yeah, six yeah, degrees. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how you yeah. you, you have um you, you launch the next generation of comedy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Did you did uh yeah? So he's ten years older than my dad. Uh, who's 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 still with us? Um, oh, that's but, nice. Yeah, have nice. you got a good relationship with him? Yeah, I do. He's um, uh, he's uh, got Parkinson's and he's uh in a oh, nursing I'm sorry. home. I'm sorry, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's been uh battling it for a while, but um, yeah. I um I've done things that were based on him before, not not with my characters, but m- not with me playing them, but with other, with other characters, and they're yeah. the characters he hates. It's funny, yeah. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's kind of the, the the cross you have to bear. I think sometimes with parents, you yeah. just have to go through that and just go. Well, I'd love it to be acknowledged, and and Uncle Arthur, you know, he acknowledged. I guess in terms of himself, That's great. Um, I'm his only really real recognition of of me in one way was when he was in hospital after he'd had open heart surgery. He was he was all wired up and laying back there, and they had every machine on him. And uh, he said, "Watch this." And then he he sort of jumped up and down his bed, started slapping his chest, and every machine started beeping, going beep, 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 beep. So in other words, they thought he was having a heart attack. Then about four nurses rushed in, and he went, I'm fine. But do you recognise who this bloke is? Oh, (laughs) that's brilliant, mate. That is brilliant. And Dad, I'm going, Dad, you shouldn't do you shouldn't do that. They're all little straight. Yeah, but you, you know, this is the I'm Uncle Arthur, but this is the real Uncle Arthur right here. Bloody, bloody How brilliant. Yeah. Oh mate, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. what is your current state of mind? Oof. Gee. Oh yeah, we're in COVID. We're in lockdown, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, we're in lockdown. We're, and we're in, yeah. Um, look, I think I probably represent what the standard thing is. I go through periods of, of some anxiety, of um, some flatness, mm-hmm. and I go some some periods of acceptance. And I, I guess it oscillates between those three where you, where you go, okay, we can we can do this. There will be an end. It's, we just have to be patient and strong. And there are other periods where you just go, gee, I just it's this is this is this is getting on top of me, and it's it's mm-hmm. hard. That's why friendships and family are so important, and and to and to take time and, and um, you know, maybe, you know, give your mates a hug or give your family a hug or, you know, ring up and have a laugh with someone. It's really important because – and share, share, share. If you're not, if you're not doing okay to, to talk about it. I mean, I don't think I'm going through anything different from anybody else. I think that uh, you don't have to scratch the surface at all very hard to find out that, you know, people are doing it for so many reasons really, really tough. And you know, you know, I think about my mother who's ninety nine. She went through a depression, then she she went through a, a world war, and then she's been through COVID. And she's in a nursing home, albeit and it's in, not a bad place to be actually during COVID in a nursing home because there's lots of company, good food, and it's pretty yeah. relatively safe. Yeah. Uh, next uh, next July the twenty second of twenty two. Yeah, yeah. And we 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 didn't get to see her for this birthday. We still haven't seen her for this year's birthday. So so that's how long since. So it's it's been tough, really tough. But um, uh, so yeah, I think I think. Uh, I'm on that. I wouldn't say roller coaster, but I'm on that um, up and down, like everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, from day to day, really. Yeah, mm. yeah, and it's it, it it does change from day to day. Sometimes, as you said before, you, you you're yeah. fine, and then other times you go, no, this is no good. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you consider your greatest achievement? I remember 
I think my talking about my mother. She was the one that encouraged me to 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 go into the arts. Not so much my father. Um, she was the one that I I I basically knew what I wanted to do from when I was about three. As I said, because I said. And then she wanted to take me to see Humphreys, as I said, and encouraged me to do it. And then I got to year the end of year twelve, and I went into that thing where I really didn't know what I mean. Dave O'Neill wrote a book about it, the period between when you finish year twelve before you start job the next year. And and mm. I I spent that that summer surfing and in denial. And then it went on for some weeks, maybe months, and then I finally, because uh, I didn't, my marks weren't good enough to get. Oh, that's right. No, I, I got into a town planning course, <laughs> and within that, I, I, there was elective to study drama. So I studied drama and went. This is what I want to do, um, and, but I left. I'm trying to think of the order of this. Did I leave? Yeah, that's what I left, and then it was unemployed because I didn't want to do that course. And I got a job in an insurance company of all places, knowing that I wanted to go into the arts. And I worked there for about eight months and it was nine to five. And I remember looking around. I remember there was the, I said, if I stay here for 20 years, I'll move from that desk there, which was just to my left, <laughs> over to that desk over in the corner that had some glass glass surrounds on it. And meant that's as good as I was going to get. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'm going to, um, I'm going to apply for drama school. And I did. And it was not on marks. It was on uh, it was on an, uh, an interview, mm-hmm. and I got in. And so I think my greatest achievement was to uh, uh, to realise what my calling was, and to follow that, and to um, to pursue that um, beyond. And it was, it was actually for drama teaching. So acknowledging that I wanted to do the thing. Uh, that I said that I wanted to always do, and to, to not be in denial denial of that, and to follow to follow my dream, so to speak. That's my greatest achievement. And, and you it know, was, yeah, it was a huge thing in those days. I mean, it, like because I, yeah, I don't know, yeah, yeah. you didn't go into drama. I mean, it was, nobody did it. Yeah, nobody no. did it. No, it, it was something that that you, know, you there was neither, and mm. I'm not sure that and and you know I don't think I was even prepared to go and live in Sydney. And there was Rusden, and mm-hmm. there was Melbourne State, and they had good people. Um, but it was, you know, it was a drama teaching course, and that was fine. But I learned, I found some things in, and I remember, I remember uh, at my one of my first drama classes, someone said to the teacher, because I'd done some characters, and they went, "Oh, he's pretty good, isn't he?" And the oh, teacher right. said, "The teacher said, yeah, he's good, but he's limited." Oh. And I went, and I went, I'm going to fucking show you, mate. I'm not limited, and it was a real spurring sort of uh, moment for me. And uh, and um, I thought it was really uh, the negative pushed me even harder. So it was a good thing. It was a good thing to overhear because you can flip that round and go, "Well, I'm limited, so therefore, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I won't. I don't won't take risks. I'll, I know my my lane, and I'll keep in it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I'm proud to say that I continue to take risks, albeit through you know the judgment of others. But um, uh, I, I, I like to think that I've continued, probably less so, a little bit less so now. But uh, I, I'm I'm proud of that that uh, that I that I answered that calling. I suppose you you do breathe. I don't want to uh, make you uncomfortable here, but you breathe rarefied air in the sense that you've had at least three roles that have 
just hit the national consciousness in such a big way. Obviously, Uncle Arthur, I mean, people forget just how much of a uh, a national event the comedy company was. You know, it and, was, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. we can't even fathom that the that ninety percent of the televisions were watching that show on a Sunday mm. night. And yeah. then of, and yeah. then of course, you know, Russell Coit and then uh, and then of course Kath and Kim. So you yeah. need to be careful. You can't just go, oh, yeah, yeah I'm just going to do Joe Bloggs the sitcom now. You yeah, know, yeah. It's like kind of Lawrence Mooney says, it's like going back to economy after you've been in first class. It's sometimes. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine who was quite successful and um, uh, he, he went on to sort of sell out the character and um, his wife said to him, oh, it doesn't matter, you've always got know other characters make up another one and i remember thinking no no if you've got something very special you don't you don't sell it out you 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 really protect it and you you know that's what i think i like to think of i've done that in 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 a couple of ways i suppose in that i've i've chosen very carefully i've not chased people but i've chosen very carefully who i like to work with Mm. and and um also to you know I, i i trust my judgment on I said earlier, I don't really trust my judgment, but but I'm proud of the the, the process that I've gone through in choosing those roles, and 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 mm-hmm. all of them, all of them were in a sense ensemble because Captain Kim was very much ensemble, and Russell Coit was uh, ensemble as much as I was on doing it. We with the, the strip that when you work with the working dog guys, it's a, it's a it's a real group effort, and of course with the sketch shows that I've done, it's always around a team. I've never really aspired to be the the the, the focus. I've never wanted my own show, my own Tonight Show or my own travel show or anything like that. I much prefer working with groups of people that I love and respect, and, and that's, for me, the real joy. And, and what's interesting in America is that once you're in a comedy clique, you don't change, you don't move from clique to clique, and you've, yeah, gone, from, right. you've gone from, you know, obviously the McFadden days to the Working Dog yep. guys to the yep. Kath and Kim girls. So it's, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it says a lot about your uh, ability to, to, to muck in and also kind of get on people's wavelengths really quickly too. That's, yeah. a, that's a skill. Well, that comes back to, again, trusting people's judgment. I know when I've been the opposite of that, you know, I remember when at first some people I worked with that I didn't respect very much, I remember thinking to myself um, and I looked at what we were doing and I went, I can see a problem there, there and there, but I won't say anything because I think that they know better. Yeah, and, right. I, and as the production went through, the very problem I saw happened. Yeah. And it was kind of like, why didn't I say something? Yeah. And I didn't have the confidence. And then when I got with the right people, I had the confidence to 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 say something. And you felt and you felt safe to say that. You didn't feel like you were, you know, you felt that you were heard uh, yeah. without being obstructive. You know what I mean? That you, your judgment was valued. Well, that's right. Mm. It's like, mm. you know, I I've been in in shows where I know that the ending hasn't worked in a script. And I go, no, no, I'm an actor now. I'm not going to put on my writing cap. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, I know, I and know. Then, and then, of course, that comes to pass and you go, and they go, oh, it's a shame about the ending. And I go, oh, damn. Yep, yeah, I know. I mean, and that's the hard part because, I mean, no disrespect to actors, um, the hard part for you is that you have a, an immense skill in that area and it's, you can't turn that off. But you go yeah. now. Now's not the right time. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe <laughs> this project isn't right if you can't say it. You know, That's maybe true. this project is really right true. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, who would you like to? This is uh, question nine. Who would you want on your side in a battle, and why? 
Yeah, that's good. Um, I would look. I've had my own personal battles, and I know my partner Selena. When it comes to a crisis, I've never met anybody who is so rational and clear-minded when it comes to a crisis. Wow. Um, and you know, I've had. <laughs> uh, I remember one time. <laughs> wasn't a crisis, but I'll tell you the story. Um, uh, I was walking around the house and my eye was itchy. So I rubbed my eye so hard that I inverted the lens in my eye and suddenly it was like out of one side of my head I was looking through a fishbowl. Now, I didn't, I couldn't work out, so I immediately thought I was having a stroke. I said, I'm having a stroke. I'm having a stroke. I'm running around the house going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And she was fantastic. She took me. She just sat me down. It's okay. It's okay. She talked me down. She just said, you know, you're fine. You're fine. Is it going away now? Yeah, it's going away. It's gone away. And then and she didn't, she didn't make judgment. She said, it's fine. She gave me a hug. And then got on making dinner. You're going, oh my god, that's incredible! I uh, th- there is a skill that I wish that I had, and I love her very much for for, the, for that. And um, uh, it, it's one of those things you go, I know why we're together because yeah. you are so so much of what I'm not. I hope I can do the same thing for her. I don't know whether I do, but uh, it, if you have someone in your life like that, hang on to them because it, you know you're very very lucky. So yeah, I would say, um, and with the so when it comes, she's so smart and uh, so strong. Um, uh, I really admire that. So, you know, my partner, Selena. That, that's great. It, 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 I, I see it time and again, Glenn, with people in our industry uh, having partners who are, who are like, who are just calming, essentially, because we're all a bit yeah, kind of like, I we're know. all a bit frazzled. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I remember one day she said, I said, this has happened, that's happened. She goes, oh, you've had a bad day. But that's just today. It's just today. It's okay. Oh, wow. You go, that's really good. Yeah. You've had a bad day. And that's really easy. You've just had a bad day. You haven't had a bad week. You haven't had a bad month. You've had a bad day and that's just today and it's going to be okay. You go, well, that's good. That's really good. I um, wish I could think like that when I, you know, I'm under pressure. But anyway. Well, I think it's. I think the nature of what we do is we we need to have that catastrophizing bone in our body. Or you I know, know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, we we do we do. I mean, there's no doubt that that's that's often. Um, sometimes when I'm advising young writers and young comedy people, I say, you know, you, you know, you want to write stuff, go to your dark place, mm. and just hang around in there for a little while and see what issues pop up and write about that. Now. Um, uh, it can be fun. Talk about, it's like, what's his name? Larry David says, you know, there's things you think and there's things you say. And he, he, he gets his characters mm. to say the things that he's thinking and not saying. And it gets interesting. What does he also say? He says, uh, tell the truth about how you're feeling and it eventually becomes funny. And that's really true. Wow. If, you, if you know, if, if, uh, if you do, it, it does eventually become funny. You actually see the funny side of it. I, I can, at the time yeah. of thinking I was having a stroke, I think about it now, it's kind of was really scary, but you go, you've just scratched your eye and you've inverted the lens slightly. You're not having a stroke. You're just, you're just a crazy man. Fun ride. It's fun I, being me. Yeah. I love the fact though, that, you know, just, just, just seeing the arc here that you did, you have uh, been, been a mentor to so many different uh, comedy groups over the years. Um, and it kind of harks back to that teaching degree that you did all yeah, those years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it probably does. Yeah. Um, I, I've had people say to me, you know, they'll, they'll quote me something. I go, that's very clever. 
I wish I'd thought of that. And they'll go, you did. You told me that five years ago. And I go, really? Did I tell you that? I'm quite smart. That's true. I like that guy. He sounds good. He's good. Oh, that's me. Oh, that's incredible. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the last question, Glenn, what would you like your last words to be? And that's, that's a really hard question because you don't want to be glib. You don't want to be uh, trying to be funny. You don't want to be dismissive. Um, we, I remember when my father was, was in his final period, um, I thought to myself, I'm, you know, I, I don't know anything about grieving. I don't, I don't, I, what's going to happen? How do I? And I remember reading a book about it, you know. And was that a good idea? It kind of was, really. And I remember the, the only three things stayed with me. It, it, it said, and I used to do this on Geelong Road, it said, write a letter to that person that says, sorry for the things that, that you got wrong. Forgive them for the things that they got wrong and thank them for the good time and things that they got right. And I wrote that letter in my head driving down Geelong because I live in Melbourne and my father was in a nursing home down at Torquay and I had this time to myself to sort of my life. Now, I didn't write that letter, but I wrote it in my head mm. and it was a really helpful thing to do. Would I, would I, would my final words be exactly that? It would be something like that. I, I mean, you know, mm. I would probably... For any hurt that I've caused, I would say sorry for. And for all well, the, the stuff that's happened that's been bad, I, I, it hasn't been as much of it, but, but I would forgive for that. And, and I would say thank you because, you know, you know, I've had wonderful friends. I've had, I've had, if I draw a line down the middle of the page, the, the people that I've got to work with through my career, I'm so proud of. Mm. And the, the friends and family that I have, I, I love dearly. And I love all of them. So I would say thank you to all of them. And, and that would be it. I probably wouldn't say, I'd probably prattle on like I am now. Let's probably say use more words and maybe I wouldn't get my point across. What's he saying? Oh, I don't know. I can't quite <laughs> understand what <laughs> Keep the recorder. We'll record it. But I think he's about to go and he's being profound. So right. um, write it down. We'll put it into a song and sing it at his funeral. Um, um, but anyway, something about 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 uh, about those three t- three terms, I think. Mm. Or I could just say, you know, something glib like, we're all going to the same place. I'll see you there soon. Something like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. And I'm mm. letting go. I'm letting go now. I'm letting go. Lovely callback, <laughs> lovely callback. And I know that's what they often say to people when they're in their fire pit, it's okay to let go. Yeah. And maybe that's where I'll learn to let go. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Joir. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff, we have liftoff. 